Hi everyone, I'm Tom Denford, co-founder and CEO of IDcoms. Welcome to another episode of Media Snack Meets, where we get to meet the individuals and organizations doing great work to inspire success and drive change through the global marketing and media industry. Because the best are short on time, I ask just six questions in 15 minutes or less, and we get to learn what is behind those experiences and maybe what the rest of us can learn about managing change. My guest for this episode is Marissa Terrio, who is the Director of Marketing IQ, which includes global media operations at a wonderful company, VF Corporation. Oh, hey guys. Hello, Hello gentlemen. Where are you? There you are. Hey, Marissa. Hey, Tom. How you doing? Thanks for good. having me. It's really good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Um, right. So I mentioned in the intro there. So, you, so this is recent promotion as well into is, marketing yes. IQ. But first, just for those that don't know, VF Corporation, lots of people maybe heard the name and they will know loads of the famous brands that you get to work with. But just just remind us some of the brands that you have in the in the business. Yeah. So we're the parent company of brands like Vans, Timberland, The North Face, Dickies recently acquired Supreme is one of the brands as well. Bunch of footwear and apparel companies that are all strong on their own, but we sit at the parent company at the center. Good. And so I said, so your new role is director of marketing IQ. And within that, you retain this, this media operations role globally that you had. So you sit across all of those brands. That's correct. Yeah. Lead. But what's, what is, what's marketing IQ? Was that a new initiative for you? Yeah, so it's meant to be a global center for collaborative learning. So trying to unleash the power of the portfolio and essentially unlock better benefits for all the brands, which is what we're doing in media operations as well. Uh, but really what that manifests in is digital titan partnerships. So leveraging scale to how do we better understand our consumer? How do we have best creative practices from some of those titans in the industry? Um, tech and tools. So we have no shortage of tech or tools. How do we harness that? How do we best arm our brands, not just with the data, but with the insights that they can apply? So it's been it's been hugely helpful in having a global marketing community of practice that we yeah. fortunately led across uh, across COVID, across the pandemic, and continuing on where we share out case studies and best practices. Um, essentially trying to say cross multi-brands, how do we best manage our media partners, our marketing partners, our agencies, and come together and learn? Good. Uh, well, you, you've stepped straight into question number one. So we've yeah, through that. No, this, is, this is great. We like that. I said yep. 15 minutes or less. So we're, we're gonna, we're gonna make go. it. We'll knock it out. Um, so, I mean, but that's, that's a broad remit. As we know, we talk about on Media Snack um, a lot, you might've seen, you know, the, just the, that amazing expanding role of the media practitioner now. And I love when you say you've got this kind of new role looking at looking within a broader marketing remit, because I think media directors or traditional media director or the media ops, you know, can add so much to the marketing organization just because of the skills that we have of kind of connecting all these bits together. So I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. There's so much that ties into mm -hmm. just talking about paid advertising and all the benefits that come with those partners and yeah. tying together the full consumer journey. Yep. So broad remit now in the, yep. even, even more broad remit now. Um, so the other part of this question is just, I'd love you to share something that you're most proud of either at VF Corp or 
in, uh, you know, as a media practitioner in your career? Absolutely. I would say, we, obviously, we had a hard 2020 and everybody in the marketing community, I think, came together and it was really cool to see everyone banding together and saying, all right, everything is unprecedented. Every, we have brand comms that are going out that we have to talk to people in a way where they're worried about their finances. They're worried about their health. And we needed to change our approach. We called a pivot to be able to say, we want to support you, even if you're not buying us. So that was the, the approach that we started taking to say, all right, how do we more adequately talk to our consumer and where they're at, understand where they've been. And we saw the community band together and things like Black Lives Matter and the Stop Hate for Profit initiative that came through and even just a weird holiday with a prime day that moved to October. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think we ha we finally accepted across the board that we, we need to listen and learn from each other. And I think we tried to do that, but more of a concerted effort went behind it and just started really listening to the consumer and essentially saying, all right, how can we have a value exchange even when it's not a transaction? It's not just buying our products or our brands, but it's saying, can we give you content? Can we give you how to's? Yeah. Can we help you get through quarantine while your kids are home with you and you're trying to work and give you exploratory content of saying, hey, this is what one of our cool teams did on Mount Everest. So I think it was, it was an interesting way of looking and saying, OK, we need to turn off the sell stuff all the time mode and go into let's talk and engage with our consumers yeah. and engage amongst ourselves, too, as a holding company. That's really interesting. Um, and. and so, the, so you know, the way that you've navigated the last 18 months or so is, is clearly, uh, we hear that from quite a lot of businesses. They've been, it's challenges, you know, these, these challenges, but, you know, the cliche is, you know, diamonds are made under pressure, aren't they? And you, you right. find that you get freedom to kind of go do new things that maybe you wouldn't have had the chance to do. Yeah, it, it's helpful that nobody's an expert when everything's changing. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> have you found... Did you find being a kind of footwear and apparel company, you'd imagine also that uh, it's a it's a it's a category where where you can still still you can still imagine people spending mm -hmm. that. You know, if if you were kind of high end fashion, yes. for example, like that, you'd be, you maybe you'd be affected. People are not going to going out so much, but maybe apparel footwear people are still going to use because it's home friendly, isn't it? Or gym friendly or whatever it might be. Yeah. Or just kind of style. Did, how would, did, did your sales channels change then as a result? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, channels and I would say product categories. So we were mm. trying to follow the trends and see a lot more people were hiking. A lot more people yeah. were fishing and, and buying tents and going camping in their backyards. So those categories change. And that's what we were trying to stay in the, in the forefront mm -hmm. of is saying, all right, where's consumer interest going to? Uh, fortunately for us, yes, we are a more casual apparel company. So while people were still sitting at home, they were still wearing shoes and pants mm -hmm. and uh, still trying to go outside and find that as the escape. So this, in terms of the channels in which they were shopping, yeah, it went heavily, heavily digital. Um, yeah. Obviously, with a lot of our own retail stores and our wholesale partners, the, those brick and mortar stores had to close. So we had to find different ways of even from a B2B perspective. How do we how do we sell in products? How do we sell in lines for the future? Uh, but also just in changing our model so that we could support the new dynamic, the new uh, demand that was coming to our own dot com, to our wholesale dot com. So it was um, a matter of weeks and months of shift that probably should have taken a few years. Yeah. It's, I'm now hearing all of these stories of like where everybody's kind of got to, you know, with some with some reflection and optimism. It's been really interesting like at the moment, like just hearing, hearing stories. So thank you for sharing. Um, right. So you 
if anyone is watching hasn't figured this out yet, Marissa has a huge amount of passion and energy and enthusiasm for media. Um, so I hesitate to ask you this question. What's the, what is the best thing in your mind about media? That's easy. That mm. it's the people. It's always been the people. It will continue mm -hmm. to be the people. It, if you work in media, you are probably smart. You are probably a very hard worker and you're probably a little weird. And, ex and you have to think about things and be curious in a different way. And I remember having an AMD carry stop was my AMD. And on the back of his wall, it said, wouldn't it be cool if dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. And I remember I, I still have that on my wall to this day because you continue to be able to do that. The landscape shifts, everything's changing. You always have something to learn. And there's always something where you can be like, wouldn't it be cool if, and then be able to apply that. So I, I love that there's always a challenge. There's always people who are willing to think about something differently and more creatively and come with just a new perspective that ideally hasn't been done before. That's yeah. exciting to me. Good. Well, so let's flip that on its head then. Yeah. Not, you know, you're involved in so many different elements of yeah. the media business in, in that role. Um, you know, you have a perspective across I mean, geographies and different markets and everything, all types of different media executions and work with many, many different partners. So where's, where are the biggest challenges, do you think, for us on a broadly? Yeah, um, I think there's partially on harnessing and using all the tools and the data available to us. We have we have every tool. We have all the data. Uh, but how do we turn that into insights? How do we turn that into time back from number crunching and time into applying, understanding our consumer, understanding what they're looking for, and frankly, reinvigorating awareness-driven tactics? I think it's easy from a data-driven world to say, I get immediate gratification on lower funnel ROI. But you don't get that when you're talking about getting new consumers and that's how you grow your brand. Yeah. So I think there, the challenge to me is in saying, number one, how do we harness that information so that it's actionable insights? But then also, how do we make sure that we're not just focusing on getting your consumer right at the end of their journey, but finding new ones as we're going through that, too, when you don't have as tangible ROI that goes along with it? Yeah, good. Very nice. Yep. Um, which leads us nicely into leadership advice. And what I normally ask is that often people have either got uh, either a piece of leadership advice, which you said you've got like on the wall there, the, the yeah. what if, um, something that you've either carried with you or something that maybe you frequently give to others um, that you found helpful. Yeah, yeah, let's take both of those perspectives. Um, from a from an what I've learned in my perspective, we have a number of agency partners. We run pitches with our agencies from a media perspective. And the biggest thing, let your experts be your experts. I think on the brand side, we're very good at putting in certain parameters that might handcuff some of our teams. Um, not necessarily at VF or just in general, but letting them have that leeway to be creative, to think about things differently, to let your experts do what they do best um, on that side of things. And then from a from a leadership perspective as well, um, I saw I once heard somebody say you need to know to care to act. And that stuck with me because a lot of the times you might be in a blockage and you say, well, why aren't they doing anything about it? And you think, well, number one, do they know about it? And then number two, how do you get them to care about it so that they do act? So I always try to look at it and say, all right, let's go back to the beginning here and say, if there is a blockage, if there's something that we need to get around, how do we get people to care and understand about it first? I'm stealing that one. I love it, right? It's I, that's, yeah, like really good. I'm going to put a little book together of all of these once we've kind good, of done. That, that, that one is great because we've probably all been there. Yeah. Um, okay, so... 
I know a little secret about personal passion of yours, but which might which might be what you were talking about. Uh, outside of media, then, what what would what might we find you doing to get away from it all? Yeah, so I, I actually did a lot of fundraising for children's hospitals in my youth, and I was very fortunate to be be part of Indiana University Dance Marathon, where they fundraise for a year for kids that are in hospital and who have parents that may or may not be able to pay. So it just it was really amazing perspective to see kids with such an amazingly positive atmosphere and mindset that are going through some tough stuff and just puts you in perspective. I remember I had a, a Riley kid. His name was Aaron. And he came. He said, I just had my seventh heart transplant or heart surgery. Do you want my autograph? And I was like, heck, yeah, buddy. So it just puts life in perspective. Yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah. you're not going to talk about the singing. I thought you were going to maybe give us a little rendition. I did not go opera singing. I could, but that's the other side of this. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, might, I might see if maybe you can record us a new outro. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, so we've discussed, you know, some of the great opportunities and the great, exciting things that are going on in media and some of the challenges. Um, I'll bring, what was that phrase you used? Like, what if, what if we could? What was Wouldn't it, what it be you, cool if? Wouldn't it be cool if? Yeah. Here we go. So back at you. Wouldn't it be cool if? So you know, give us some hope for the year ahead. Yeah, um, yeah, I would say. Where would, where would you want to be in 12, 12 months? Absolutely. I would say to not go back to normal, uh, to make sure that we're still remembering to listen to the consumer, to support each other, to learn from one each other, to make sure that marginalized voices are continuing to be amplified. Um, and I think brands have a power to foster that kind of safe environment and the amplification that needs to happen. And I, I think that we will only get better from what we've seen in the past. So don't forget what we learned. Brilliant. I love that. Marissa Terrio from VF Corporation, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tom. Who would you like to meet on future episodes? Please let us know in the comments below. Subscribe to our channel where you will also find previous guests, including leading media executives from companies like P&G, L'Oreal, Mars, MasterCard, and many more plus some of the industry's most provocative thought leaders, such as Belinda Smith, Jerry Dakin, Professor Mark Ritson, Nadine Cart-McHugh, and Gary Vaynerchuk. You can also subscribe to get new episodes each week, and if you like this episode and think someone else would, then please do share it. Thanks so much for watching.